Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week, we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is What's Your Beef? Today we present our Director's Cut, where a Beef Australia director takes the reins and chats to someone in the beef industry that they've crossed paths with. G'day, I'm Russell Hughes, Vice Chair of Beef Australia. Today I'm speaking with Central Queensland sea stock producer Jason Childs, widely recognised for his family's ongoing development and success with the Droughtmaster breed. In his spare time, Jason is also a member of the Beef Australia Stud Cattle Committee. Jason Charles, welcome to What's Your Beef? Thanks, Russell, and uh, welcome to Glenlands. Jason, I grew up not far from your front gate here, and I've driven past probably hundreds of times, and until recent years, I knew very little about the block. Tell us about the story of Glenlands. Yeah, Russell, the um, Charles family's been here for nearly 120 years now. The name Glenlands has come from two properties. Uh, It started off as Glendon, and then property bought next door which was Woodlands which gives you the Glenlands. We've run a few different things over the years. I mean they first started off in the early days with dairy cattle and then progressed through to poultry. My father actually had up to 25,000 laying hens in the peak of it before my grandfather started the drought master stud in 1968. Chickens that's something I didn't know. Where would your market have been back then? It was all egg production and they went all over central Queensland. There was an egg marketing board in Rockhampton at the time and they were distributed from there. Was there a reason you got out of chickens? Was there a brighter future in beef? Uh, yes, yes. We, when deregulation of the, of the poultry industry came along, that made it very difficult. We'd been in the drought masters for a while, but we could see the future for us being brighter with the drought master breed. Prior to Drought Masters, did you have any British breeds or other breeds here on the property or straight into Drought Masters? No, it was pretty much straight into Drought Masters. My dad did also have a Brahmin stud as well for a while, but I think the Drought Masters was the passion and where we were going to end up. Why did you assess the Drought Master most suitable for this area? In the early days, I think they were selected because they suited the climate tick resistance and they they met multiple markets and still do today combination of those things and the passion for them the stud was founded in 1968 and some years later we were lucky enough to be able to purchase the entire Cunjanella swan herd which has enabled us to start running our own stud sales growing up here at Glenlands you had dreams of being a fireman or a policeman or were you always going to be a cattleman or a chicken plucker <laughs> Actually, um, I guess the early days with the chicken sort of made you uh, a bit more determined not to be a chicken grower, actually, Russell. I always had my heart set on it. I mean, when, when I left school, first thing that I did was, was go and learn how to break cattle in. I spent 12 months doing that, and I was very lucky with the Sawley family in Bell and also uh, Wendy Cole at Gracemere gave me a lot of knowledge and I, and I appreciate the start that they'd given me and it was a great start and I, you know, I knew from then once I started doing that that I, that was where I wanted to go. At Beef 2018 you had a team of I guess approaching 30 animals in the sheds. It wouldn't have always been that case. When you first started what sort of team sizes were you running? We started off with two head in a horse float, uh, Russell. We managed to um, 
get around quite a few shows. Mum and Dad were very devoted and in, in, in taking us around, and that's where it all started. There's certainly been some progress since then. Uh, it's, yeah, it's snowballed a little <laughs> bit since then. How about your kids? I've seen two of the three here today. Do you think they're going to follow in your footsteps, Jason? Yeah, like any parent, Russell, I hope so. I think they've shown some interest in it. So, I mean, we'd give them every opportunity if, if they want it, the, the opportunity's there. So, yeah, no, we hope so. People on the land, they get many challenges thrown at them from the sustained droughts, bushfires, floods and so on. And I think to the outside world, you guys just keep bouncing back. Do you think that resilience is bred into you from a young age or is it something you learn along the way? Oh, I think it's it's something that you do. If you don't love it, you wouldn't be doing it. There's always bad days, but there's good days as well. And if you're happy when you come home at the end of the day with what you're doing, that's that's the secret to it. I guess if there's more good days than bad, then uh, you keep a smile on the face. Exactly, yeah. Let's turn the conversation now to the biggest beef show in the Southern Hemisphere. What are your first memories of Beef Australia and what year was that, Jason? We've exhibited at every one uh, right, right from 1988. I remember the first one, Dad also had a Brahmin stud, so we actually had two breeds back then. So we had um, the Drought Masters and the Brahmins, and I remember we clocked up a lot of kilometres that year because the Drought Masters were on one side of the showground and the Brahmins were on the other. So that was probably my biggest memory of 1988. There's also another memory I've heard you mention about one year as a young person. You were part of the opening at the Pearl Beam Theatre. Yeah, that stuck in my mind big time. I'm not sure which year it was. It was one of the early ones. They approached us uh, about taking a bull to the Pearl Beam Theatre and there was three of us. There was a Brahmin bull, a Droughty bull and a Hereford bull, I think. They were a bit vague about what we were doing and they just said that we'll be on stage at the Pearl Beam Theatre. So we arrived at the back docking bay and unloaded and we walked in uh, and we were standing just behind a curtain. I remember looking at the other two exhibitors and thinking, you know, what are we in for here? And the next thing we know, the speeches had finished and the curtain then started to go up. Once it got high enough, there was a choir standing right in front of us singing Advanced Australia Fair. So with the lights and the choir, you know, only a few feet in front of us and this curtain going up in front of the bulls. But we were hoping everything was going to go right. Yeah. And your heart rate was up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's it. Let's move forward from those early days then to 2012. I remember picking up the Queensland Country Life in May of that year after the Beef Expo and the headline read, A Prince Becomes a King. Can you explain the headline to us, Jason? Who was Prince? It wasn't you. <laughs> no, definitely not me. Um... It was a big year for us, that one. Prince was our senior bull that year. He'd done well previously at a, at a few other shows, and you never expect to, to, to win the big one at Beef, but, you, you, I mean, you're always hoping that you, you've got a chance. On the Tuesday, he took out senior champion, Droughtmaster. Yeah, that's correct. And then lined up on the Thursday. Yeah, and we pulled off the champion of champions, which was was amazing. There was a few things that made it that extra bit special, uh, one being Dad. The year before, he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and had been going through some pretty rough treatment and that at the time. He actually was going through treatment down in Brisbane and they told him that it wasn't a good idea to be coming back for the judging of beef. So he actually said to them, well, I'm going anyway, so... He actually checked himself out of hospital. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. <laughs> he yep. turned up at the Rocky Showgrounds. Yeah. 
I hope he didn't want one of those robes on with the... No, 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 no. He, he wasn't quite that bad. <laughs> I remember that year distinctly and it was a great week. After that, he brightened up and um, gave him a few extra years. Paint me a picture of judging day. For the moment you bounce out of bed, what times your alarm go off and what happens from then? Well, it's probably more cruel out of bed, Russell, but with the bigger teams that we've had the last couple of years, it's a bit more of an earlier rise for us. Up and going, probably about 3 a.m., up to the cattle, do your normal clean-out, feed up, change halters, do your grooming, probably duck back, get changed ourselves, and then start the logistics of, of getting the cattle out to the show ring, ready for the day's judging. So is it similar when you're running a team of two as to compared to 30? How does that change? Yeah, no, no, massive difference. So you've, you've really got to be organised and have a great team behind you. That's the most important thing. We're lucky we got the family and everyone's there and helping and, and keen on it. So you wouldn't be able to do it if you didn't have the team there behind you. 2012, Prince got the best bull in Australia at that time and at that event. So do you then sort of stand back and say, well, our work's done? Or does that pursuit of excellence in the seed stock era continue? You're always striving for something something better. As good as Prince was, there's things that you'd, you'd make better. So I guess, yeah, the day that you say you've made the perfect one's probably the day you should stop doing it. Jason, there's an old saying in motor car racing game, win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Does that premise translate to the seed stock game? In other words, was your annual Glenland sale that year that Prince won a big one? Yeah, Russell, 2012, the stars pretty much aligned for us that year. Even before the beef win, we were going to start our first inaugural on-property sale. Uh, so the planning was well underway to build the complex and everything. It would just so happen that that was the year, luckily, that Prince won and the start of our sale. So it all aligned for us and the sale definitely saw the benefits of the win with Prince. People sitting at home listening to this wouldn't be aware, but we're actually sitting at Glenlands at the moment, not quite in the complex, but I can see it from where I'm sitting, and it is truly a magnificent selling complex. And Jason, I suggest, has obviously been a considerable investment in time and energy into the design and construction of the complex, yet the Gracemere sale yards are basically a stone's throw away. What was the family's thinking behind the complex? I'm sure it wasn't an overnight decision. No, no, no. There was a lot of, lot of thought go into it, a lot of design go into it we i guess when you look at what we've done there we wanted to show people that we're we're in this game for a long time and you wouldn't be investing that sort of money on infrastructure if you weren't going to be that so it was that and also animal welfare i mean the bulls are a lot happier they stay at home they're they're on their own feed water that and, and the presentation, you can do as much decoration, whatever you want, with what you have at home, uh, whereas it's limited anywhere else you go. So it was a combination of factors, but, but, but mostly uh, the animal welfare side of things, just uh, they're much happier at home. So I'd also suggest it suits the marketing that you and Darren do sitting in front of us on the table here we've got a magnificent coffee table book that showcases Glenlands and, and your animals and, and what you've achieved and you recognise the importance of marketing when it comes to selling your bulls and females. Absolutely I mean people see that you put the time and effort and go to the trouble of getting the best photos and, and showcasing animals the best way you can. People see that you really care about what you do. 
Jason, on the subject of marketing, how does Beef Australia fit into the activities that you and Darren do out here at Glenlands, uh, marketing your products? Yeah, Russell, Beef uh, gives us that opportunity once every three years to market our cattle to the biggest audience in Australia. We have 100,000 people through the gates uh, and also gives you that opportunity to benchmark your cattle against the best of the best. Everyone's there so you know where you're sitting in the industry and that nowhere else do you get to, to put them in front of that many people. I mentioned that you're a member of the Beef Australia State Cattle Committee, which you were in 18, and you will again next year. I know of the time that you and the other committee people devote to this role, and it is quite substantial. Is it that you don't have any hobbies? Or you've got too much time on your hands? Why do you put so much time into Beef Australia, along with the other people? It's definitely a lot of time, but it's commitment to the beef industry, Russell. You want something there. We spoke about it earlier with the kids. You know, We want something there for them to be able to go into, so somebody's got to put their hand up to do these things and I've always been one for if you want to complain about something you you got to be prepared to to get up and 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 do something about it so yeah that's why I'm here I think that um, it's a great thing for the industry every three years and um, I just want to see everyone you know have a good time and and see it run well and I believe the planning is well uh, advanced for beef 2021 yeah, Russell, I think if everything comes off the way that we're, we've got it planning, it'll be a big spectacle. I think finally we've got all the cattle together in one area, uh, looks like. I think everyone will be very happy with the layout once they see it. An extra room in the centre ring? Extra room in that centre ring. We've only got the Qantas lounge in there this time, so uh, we'll have six rings this time, so we'll be able to probably get the judging through just that little bit more efficiently as well give us a bit more time up our sleeve to run the interbreed on the Thursday that little bit better. More of a personal nature without giving too many secrets away is there another prince lurking in the back paddock here somewhere that you're ready to bring out in 2021? Oh we always hope so Russell we <laughs> you never know but um, yeah it's made it a bit more difficult this year with not having shows the year previous we've all sort of got um, cattle that haven't been out and seen too much so we're not sure what else is about either so it'll be a, a big unknown next year. Something else that a lot of people wouldn't realise is that some of our cattle exhibits can be on the grounds for up to 10 days through beef which is a big commitment. I imagine there's some pretty long days and short nights but there's certainly one fun night, the Battle of the Breeds Tug of War. Is that going to be a highlight of the social activities next year? I hope so, Russell. I'm pretty sure we're planning on it again. It was a, it was a great success at the last one, and I'm sure um, there's a few breeds out there that would like to um, give the Brangus a run for their money this year. We did have some protests last year. There was a suggestion that their anchor man, a fellow by the name of Brad Hansen, should count as two human beings. We may have to look at that this year, Russell. <laughs> Jason, you mentioned we've got the best of the best from right across Australia. On the other end of the scale, we've also got our up-and-coming junior cattle men and women, and I think that's also an important aspect of the program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a, that's a very important part for beef. The Monday, we have our Praetors competition and also the school team judging, and the Friday, we have the junior judging event. I think they're a very important part of Beef Australia, giving those young people the opportunity to pit themselves up against best of the best there too ones that, that shine through on that I mean they're our future judges and leaders of the industry and that's a great place to start showcasing your talents right there. 
Stud cattle judging, it's somewhat unique in the competitive field. When it comes down to judging an animal, it comes down to one person, one man or one woman's eye and their perception of that animal. How do we ensure we don't lose those skills through our younger people? Oh, I think, Russell, the training and that that they get through the schools and the feedback they get from the overjudges from those competitions uh, is so valuable to them. I mean, uh, you see the attention that they pay to the comments the judges give them on that day. It's truly remarkable. I mean, I've helped out with those events. Really gratifying to see the attention and skill of those young people. The other thing too is a lot of our rings have associate judges where that talent's also nurtured, also a good stepping stone through to being a full-blown judge. So, And a lot of our stewards are from that younger generation. Jason, our full-time podcast host is actually Jane Cutter here, who does a wonderful job, and it's only because she's away with the children during the school holidays, plus the fact that I managed to find the keys to the padlock to the microphone cupboard that you've got me here today. One of Jane's regular questions to guests is about their favourite choice of beef cuts, and it's not your special Saturday night show-off steak when you've got your mates around, it's your regular midweek meal. So if you're at home, say on a Tuesday night, about to cook dinner for Carissa, what do you pull out of the... That's never going to happen, is it? No, no, it's <laughs> no, not. No, let's, let's, let's start again. <laughs> Carissa's home cooking your dinner on a Tuesday night. Much better. <laughs> what does she make you, Jason? Actually, you're probably going to laugh at this one, Russell, but my favourite ones are probably... Anything to do with mince, um, the shepherd's pie or the lasagna. And I'm also a bit partial to the corn, meat and veg. So, yeah, probably just the simple ones, hey? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with them, Jason. No. <laughs> Jason Charles, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We look forward to seeing you and your show team at Beat 2021. No worries. And thank you, Russell. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.